I want to share with you a message today called The Rest of the Story. And I want to pick up where I left off last Sunday, which was Easter. And you know, last uh, Sunday, God really blessed. We had over 1,400 people in church in the rain. And uh, it was really a blessing, really good. We're thankful for that. And uh, we're thankful for the people that got saved and and, uh, touched. It's always a blessing. But now, I want to talk to you about the rest of the story. I want to talk to you about Jesus today. We're going to major on Jesus here. How many of you are aware that your faith and my faith are under attack in this culture? Well, there is a remedy, and the remedy is to preach Jesus up. Preach Jesus up. And so let's all stand together and read this verse, and then you can be seated. But I want us to honor the Word of God by standing to read. Now, here it is. Jesus again, crying out loudly, breathed his last, and at that moment, The curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in half from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split open, and tombs opened. Wow. Think about what we're reading here. Now consider what we're reading. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were what, everyone? Preach to me. Raised from the dead. Right when Jesus was dying and died on the cross... There was a great resurrection. We're going to talk about that. And look what they did. They didn't just get raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and said hi. And that's the revised Wickwire version. But they said hello to many people. Has it occurred to you what we just read? This is powerful. Lord, thank you for your word today and bless it to our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better listen to this. This is powerful stuff. Uh, You know, I love the Word of God, and we believe the Word of God is the Word of God. There's no reason not to believe it's the Word of God. And I see our faith and our Christ and our uh, Bible under attack in this culture, in increasingly, uh, I would say, aggressive and hateful fashion. And so there is a remedy, and that is to preach Jesus up and to, and to get our faith to a level where we don't just have church in four walls, but it spreads out there into the highways and the hedges. Why don't we go to two services? So that we could bring in more people, reach more people, see more people saved. But that's going to take you and me inviting people now to come to church and now fill the chairs that we've emptied. Because there's room for more, and then there's room for more. And I believe the day will come we're ministering to ten to 12,000 people. I believe that. And uh, so we need to be talking about the Lord. We need to be going out there in the workplace and the restaurants and talking about Jesus. But for that to happen, we've got to be strong in our faith. And so I'm going to strengthen your faith today, and I want to share with you what happened when Jesus died on the cross. It's so powerful. When God's son closed his lips in death, God took it upon himself to speak through a series of miracles, three miraculous signs. Now, these three miraculous signs were what God did when Jesus died and when he rose from the dead. And our God did not choose to speak in human language, but he spoke in what I want to call God speak or God language. And God language is the language of miracles. God speaks in the language of miracles. 
Our God does miracles. I don't know about your God, but my God does miracles. My God changes lives. My God answers prayer. My God moves mountains. My God brings up valleys. My God is a living God, not a dead God. He's not a historical memory. He's a living presence, and he is here with us today, and he is not finished doing miracles. That's my God, and God speaks in the language of miracles. He speaks in the language of miracles. And when Jesus died on the cross, we could say that God involved himself in a divine show and tell. He said, rather than just give you words, I'm going to show you my power. And I'm going to testify to what just happened in a way that no one will ever be able to gainsay or deny it. He spoke when Jesus died and he spoke at the resurrection. Three powerful miracles. Now I want to cover these miracles real quickly because the resurrection wasn't the only miracle. The resurrection of Jesus, there there were several. And here they are. First... The Bible says that as soon as Jesus said it is finished, the Bible says that something happened to the veil or the curtain in the temple. It says the curtain separating the Holy of Holies from the people, that curtain was suddenly ripped from top to bottom. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three, tell us about this miracle. They record for us that in the temple... When Jesus died on the cross, when all kinds of people were in there doing the work of the temple, that suddenly something ripped this curtain from top to bottom. This was major, but to really understand how major and how important it is, you've got to know what the curtain was all about. The veil or the curtain was in the temple. And Hebrews 9 tells us that in the temple the veil separated the Holy of Holies, from the rest of the temple where men carried out their business. So here's what we can say. The purpose of the temple was to separate men from the presence of God. The purpose of the veil, of the curtain, was to make the statement, the very real statement of the reality that mankind had been separated from the presence of God because of sin. So this curtain, this massive curtain that I'm going to describe in a moment, separated you and me, separated mankind from the Shekinah glory, the presence of God that rested in the Holy of Holies. The veil was a barrier to make sure that men could not carelessly walk into the presence of God. As a matter of fact, if they did, they dropped dead. In the Old Testament days, you did not go in there. Not only was it an awesome place where the presence of God dwelt, but it was also a frightening place. Only the high priest went back there, and he only went back there once a year. He was permitted to pass beyond this incredible curtain, this veil, once a year for the Day of Atonement, to make atonement for the sins of the people. Other than that, nobody ever went back there. And even he could not enter in the Holy of Holies until he had made incredibly meticulous preparation the the high priest had to wash himself he had to put on special clothing he had to burn incense he had to carry burning incense in there with him to let the smoke cover his eyes so that he did not look at god look at the presence he had to obscure his view of what was in there and he always had to bring blood with him always had to bring blood with him 
He always had to bring blood with him in there to make atonement for sins. You did not go into that Holy of Holies without the blood of lambs. So here he would go and he would go in there. He would go in there with a lace around his ankle, a a rope of, of, of a kind, and this rope would be tied around his ankle and they would hold it on the outside. Lest he made a mistake in there and drop dead, they wouldn't go in to get him. They would drag him out. So awesome was this place where the presence of God dwelled. Now let me talk to you about the temple for a minute, where this curtain was. The first temple, Solomon's temple, was 30 cubits high. Now King Herod came along later, rebuilt the temple, and when he rebuilt it, it was about 40 cubits high, and that means 60 feet. So this curtain we're talking about was 60 feet high. From the floor to the ceiling, this curtain stretched. And this curtain was also four inches thick. And it was made of beautiful colors, the colors of blue, purple, and scarlet, which are the colors of royalty. And this curtain was not only 60 feet high and the color of royalty, but it was four inches thick. And according to historians, it was so strong that horses tied to both ends of this curtain, could not rip it apart. It could not be ripped apart by wild horses pulling from both ends. So strong was this curtain. So you can imagine while they're sitting there going through their normal business one day, during the time of the evening sacrifice, while just over yonder, just over the hill, just a stone's throw away, the Son of God was being crucified, hung on the cross, and was breathing His last. While this was going on, this execution of an innocent man. They're going around in the temple doing all their Old Testament stuff, Old Testament sacrifices, doing the Old Testament business. And suddenly, the time of the evening sacrifice... When the Son of God said the last three words, It is finished. It happened at that very second that there was an incredible ripping sound, an incredible tearing sound. Everybody dropped what they were doing, stopped what they were doing. I'm using my sanctified imagination. I'm trying to imagine what this must have been like. It was an awesome sound because of the thickness and size of this curtain and the the audio effect in a place like the temple of that day. And it suddenly every eye turned towards the noise and an invisible hand had grabbed hold of this curtain and ripped it from top to bottom. Rip! There was a great big, oh my Lord, on everyone's lips. They were stunned, stood in stunned silence. How could this happen? It's impossible. Not to mention, nothing could be seen to have done it. It happened at the very second that Jesus said, it is finished, and he breathed his last. The Bible says that when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I'll guarantee you, the party was killed in the temple that day. This was an incredible miracle. And what was the meaning of this miracle? This was God speak, God talking, talking through a miracle, not through words. What was God saying? 
more than anything else. Here's what he was saying. The tearing of the veil at the moment of Jesus' death was God dramatically telling us that the shedding of Jesus' blood was the final atonement for sins forever. And God was saying, now the Holy of Holies that only one man could go into once a year is open to every human being that calls on the name of the Lord. That Shekinah presence, that glory, now became available to everyone. That is so powerful. You know, we sit here today, we stand and we worship God, and suddenly we are not alone. There is another presence in this place. He is called the Holy Spirit. He is not a fog. He is not a mist. He is not some ethereal thing. He is a person, and the person of the Holy Spirit, who is here as we worship God. Can we understand today? They did not enjoy that until Jesus said, It is finished, and the curtain separating us from God was removed. And now when we worship God, there is a presence here that we need to thank God every day of our lives. We can enjoy. You can wake up tomorrow morning. You can get your Bible. You can go sit down somewhere and begin to worship God and enjoy the presence of His Spirit in a way that only one guy once a year was able to experience before Jesus. Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing, Lord. I thank you today myself. We thank you. That you made a way through the veil, through the curtain, into the presence of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly, boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. And the writer goes on to say, By his death, Jesus opened a new and a life-giving way through the curtain, into the most holy place. So he says, let's take advantage of it. He says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Jesus' blood. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for this today? Thank God. Thank God. So when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost and it was seen like flames of fire over every one of their heads, that's the presence that used to be in that Holy of Holies. And now it fell on the whole human race, on everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Praise God. The rest of the story is that by His death on the cross, Jesus provided a new and living way for us to come boldly into the very presence of God without fear of being cast out. This is why I preach the cross. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to salvation, to everybody who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You want to know what God has for your life? You'll find it at the cross. You want forgiveness of sin? You'll find it at the cross. You want your life to make sense? You'll find it at the cross. You want to find your destiny? You'll discover it at the cross. You want to be healed? It's there at the cross. You want to be picked up and dusted off and given a whole new life? It's there at the cross. You want to know how Satan was defeated? It's there at the cross. There at the cross, death and hell and grave lost their power at the cross. Thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, when God speaks, God speaks. And that was a message, but he wasn't done. I personally believe this. Jesus used three words when he breathed his last. He said, it is finished. And God said, okay, three miracles to attest to the fact that it is truly finished 
and your sin has been taken care of. The second miracle, the Bible says that after that curtain was torn in two in the temple, that the earth did quake and the rocks were split apart. Now, I have mentioned recently that nature often reflects what is happening in the spiritual arena. I want you to hear me on this today, church. There is a spiritual world the Bible fully informs us about. In that spiritual world, it is that world that will never perish, never die, never go away. It is that spiritual world that will endure. The chair you're sitting in, the building we're enjoying, God in today, it's all going to be gone someday, but the spirit world will remain. And, and in that spiritual world, there are angels, there are demons, there are, God is there, Christ is there, cherubims, seraphims. There is a real spiritual world. And often nature reflects what's in that spiritual world, what is happening in that spiritual world. If you don't believe that, read the book of Revelations. By the way, I'm going to start a series on the book of Revelations. Wednesday, June 3rd. Wednesday night, June 3rd, I'm going to start going through the book of Revelation. And we're going to see that God is in control of this planet. But often, when the spiritual world is really active, it affects what's happening in the natural world. As when Jesus was dying on the cross, the Bible tells us that the sky became dark as midnight. Just like it was nighttime, at high noon, it became like midnight. As if all of creation was mourning the death of the Son of God. And the Bible here says again, when Jesus died, the ground shook and huge boulders around Calvary were broken in half. God was speaking again. Not in human language, but God was speaking again. And what does it mean? Earthquakes began to roll when Jesus died on the cross. Huge boulders were split in half. The earthquake around the scene of the cross was like a judge slamming his gavel down as he makes a decision in court. It is done. It is done. It is done. God was saying, it is done. Sin is atoned for. It is finished. Satan is defeated. It is done. Death, hell, and the grave have lost their victory. Whosoever calls on the name of my son will be saved. God was speaking through an earthquake. But then God spoke a third time. And this time it was really almost more powerful than any of the other two, though both of the others were extremely powerful. But this one was a prophetic word. It was a word that pointed ahead. It's a type of the rapture. And I've almost never heard this preached on, and I don't know why, because there it is in Matthew's Gospel. It was a word that pointed ahead. It was a word that said, let me show you what is in store for those who put their faith in my son. The Bible says in Matthew 27, and tombs broke open. And the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. When Jesus died... Suddenly, there was a resurrection from the dead. Now, let me talk to you for a second about this. Keep in mind that clustered around the death of Jesus on the cross, three things took place in rapid succession like dominoes falling. The curtain in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. Everybody has access to the power of God now. 
The rocks were split apart by an earthquake. I amen my son's death on the cross. And then there was a resurrection from the dead of Old Testament saints. This amazing resurrection from the dead of Old Testament saints was the final act of God's stunning coup d'etat against the forces of darkness. The Bible talks about, in Hebrews 11, at the very end of the chapter of faith, it talks about those who died in faith. He said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. That's talking about people who knew that a Messiah was coming, knew that the Messiah was on the way, but they died before the Messiah arrived and spilled his blood. So what did they do? They died in faith. And it says, not having received the promises. God having something better for us that without us they could not be made perfect, meaning they, that, that, that their fulfillment, the fulfillment of their faith awaited the arrival of the Messiah, the spilling of his blood, and his resurrection from the dead. Now here's what you've got happening when Jesus died on the cross. This amazing miracle, the third miracle, happened in stages. We're told, first of all, the tombs were open. Scripture says, and the graves were open. Now, this was not like graves here in Western society where we put people in the ground and put the dirt on top of them. And you know what cemeteries look like and all of that. That's not the way it is in the Middle East in the, in the area of Palestine. People were not buried as we bury the dead. The ground was and is, if you've ever been there, gravelly and rocky. So graves had to be cut out of the stones and rocks in the sides of hills. The bodies were then laid into the equivalent of a cave. And that's the way people were buried. And once they were put into the equivalent of a cave, they always would roll a boulder or a stone in front of that tomb to cover the entrance to these graves, as was the case with Lazarus and as was the case even with Jesus On Easter, we always talk about how the angel came and rolled the stone away. And you remember when Jesus stood at Lazarus' tomb, he said to the folks standing there, he said, roll away the stone and let me at him. So this is the way they were buried. There was caves in the sides of hills and great big boulders and stones rolled over the top. Now listen to this, church. The Bible records that when Jesus died on the cross, these stones were rolled away. And the graves were open. Now hear me, this is logical. The earthquake did not cause these stones to be rolled away. We read that these graves were very deliberately opened. I know this is deep for Sunday morning. I hear some of you saying, man, I need some football. Watch this now. Multitudes of tombs. When Jesus died, experienced the rolling away of the stone in front of them, just as had Lazarus and just as had Jesus on resurrection morn. We talk about how the angel landed on the stone in front of Jesus' tomb and flicked it away with his finger effortlessly and easily. But when Jesus died on the cross, his resurrection wasn't the only one that was on the horizon. The minute he said, it is finished, a bunch of stones in front of a bunch of tombs were rolled away. God opened them. God divinely and in a select manner opened some, not all, 
but some of the tombs in that area. Isn't it amazing? God knows who was His when they died. God knows who was His when you... Listen, if you die with your faith in Christ, you're marked. You're marked for a resurrection. God knows who you are, and you're not staying in that grave. Now, it says, secondly, many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Not only did the stone roll away, but then the bodies that were in these caves, in these tombs, arose. It says, many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Now, the word sleep in the Bible is used to describe the dead who have died in faith. Remember when Jesus was talking to his disciples about Lazarus? And he said to them, he said, Lazarus sleeps. Let's go that we may wake him. And they said, man, Lord, if he's asleep, leave him alone. They didn't understand what he was saying. He was saying he has, his body has died, but I'm going to raise him from the dead. And so often the Bible will call somebody who has died in the Lord asleep. The Bible says Paul was talking about this. He said, now also we would not have you ignorant brethren about those who fall asleep in death, that you may not grieve for them as the rest do who have no hope beyond the grave. So the Bible will say, about a saint that dies, a Christian that dies, that they have gone to sleep. Not soul sleep. You don't just go and, and, and sleep somewhere until Jesus comes back. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment that a believer dies, his soul immediately goes into the presence of the Lord, begins to fellowship with Jesus, enjoys the glories of heaven. Your soul immediately goes into his presence. That's why Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you're going to be with me in paradise. But the body is asleep. And this is the message of the word of God and the message of our faith. When Jesus died on the cross, a large number of saints who were dead and buried and who were in various stages of disintegration arose from the dead when the price had been paid for sin. These bodies came to life and their souls entered again into their bodies and they arose bodily from the floor of their tomb. Say, Jeff, do you really believe this? Well, of course I believe it, silly. If I didn't believe that, I'd never preach another Sunday. We, we preach a God of resurrection. Of course I believe it. Say, well, how can God cause somebody who's been down there for centuries to come back together, to stand up, to breathe again and walk out of their tomb. Church, when there was nothing, God spoke and there was something. Everything God does, He does by the word of His mouth. He created this creation ex nihilo, something out of nothing. There were no stars in space, no fish in the sea, no sea for the fish. There was nothing, and God said, let there be, and it was. He brought something out of nothing. He's not going to have to do that with you if you have become ashes. He will say to the ashes, come together. I'm going to give you a glorified body. I'm going to breathe my life into you again, and I'm raising you from the dead. If we don't believe that, then we are of all men most miserable. If you don't believe that, why do you call yourself a Christian? And that's what we ought to be telling people. Hey, dude, you want to get up from the dead? You need to get saved. And then we finally read that as they came, as when Jesus rose from the dead, they came out of the cemetery after his resurrection. 
Catch this. Resurrected bodies came out of their tombs and waited in the cemetery for Jesus' resurrection. When that took place, they entered Jerusalem and appeared to many. They disclosed themselves. Now, I know what you're thinking. Who was it? The Bible doesn't tell us. I can venture a guess. I think Elijah might have been there. We already know that Elijah talked to Jesus with Moses. He appeared to him. It might have been Moses. It might have been some of the Old Testament prophets. It was certainly Old Testament saints talked about in Hebrews 11 who died in faith, not having received the promise. And I personally believe because of the language, it says they came out and came walking into Jerusalem and appeared to many. That intimates to me that they appeared to people who knew who they were. Can you imagine? Grandpa, Grandma. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, this is eerie. This is freaky. You're freaking me out. Let me tell you something. It wasn't eerie. These were glorified bodies. This wasn't the night of the living dead. These were glorified bodies. These were bodies glorified like Jesus was glorified. These are bodies that had no decay, no deterioration, that glowed, that had the glory of God on them. They had been raised from the dead. There were no sickness, no disease, no nothing. These were glorified bodies that could eat food but walk through a wall. And they appeared... Too many. Can you imagine? They walked into the city of Jerusalem, and the Bible says they started greeting people, appeared to them, and made themselves known. The emphasis here is they showed themselves alive. Jesus only showed himself to his disciples. But these people showed themselves to a large number all throughout the city. What was God saying in the third miracle? He that believes in my son will one day be resurrected from the dead, just as you see has happened to these. Can I tell you something, church? Whether or not you believe it as a believer, one day a trumpet's going to blow. If you have gone to sleep in Jesus, the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us that are still walking around on the planet are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That ought to get you excited. That ought to burn your faith up. That ought to get you moving. That ought to stoke some zeal. Because we're not on the losing team, we're on the winning team. Jesus Christ has not lost. Let the nation say what the nation wants to say about our God. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Jesus is going to come back. And we are going to be resurrected from the grave in a mighty resurrection just like these were. God spoke. God spoke. So here's the rest of the story. At the moment of his death, the curtain in the temple was torn in half, signifying whoever desires can now come into the presence of the Lord if you call on the name of Jesus. After that, the rocks were split and the earth shook, signifying the price for sin has been paid in full, Satan has been defeated, and the way to salvation has been opened. And finally, the graves were open and many old testament saints who died before the cross were raised from the dead confirming the words of jesus who said on the resurrection and the life anyone who believes in me will live even after dying everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die he turned to martha and said martha do you believe that and she said well lord you know i believe that that, that'll happen someday but boy i've got a someday faith 
And he turned to Mary and said, do you believe that? She said, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Mary had a yesterday faith. Martha had a someday faith. But Jesus turned and said, you don't get it. I am now, in your now, right here, this moment, your resurrection and your life. Roll away that stone. It's time for show and tell. <clears throat> and they said, Lord, by this time he stinketh. The Lord, I can almost hear him thinking, you don't understand everything I deal with stinketh at first. How many of you can say, my life stunketh when Jesus got a hold of me? He said, roll away the stone anyway. They rolled away the stone. You could have heard a pin drop on a shag carpet that day when he looked down into that tomb and the resurrection and the life spoke into that tomb and said, Lazarus, come out of there. And he came out bound in grave clothes, raised from the dead. I mean, everywhere Jesus went, people got raised. He couldn't preach a good funeral. He raised them from the dead because he's the resurrection and the life. And I'm being very serious now. The day is going to come. If you go to sleep in the Lord, that you're going to hear a voice. And that voice is going to call you out of the tomb. And you're going to experience a resurrected body, a glorified body. It'll be a body that Elaine Powers or Curves could never give you. It'll be a body without sickness, without disease, without affliction, without depression, without heart disease, without arterial disease. It'll be a body perfect. It'll be a body like the body of the risen Christ. The glory of God will be upon it, and that body will never die, never be subject to corruption. It will never be put into a grave. It's a glorified body. And God spoke in God's speak when Jesus died and rose from the dead. Come into my presence. It is finished, and you're going to be resurrected. Can we stand together? Amen. Can we just give a God like this the glory today? Can you just go ahead and worship Him? That, Lord, we praise You. We bless You. We magnify You, Lord. I can't imagine in my wildest imagination missing such a thing. I can't imagine missing it. But there's a lot of people that are going to miss it. And I want to just ask you today with every head bowed, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I used to walk with the Lord, but I've gotten away from Him. It happened very incrementally. Step by step, but I know today that I'm not where I ought to be. And, and he's already been dealing with me about it. I know that it's time for me to get it right. Or maybe you've never had the miracle of being born again. If you're going to be resurrected, as we just described, as God testified at the death of Jesus, if you're going to be resurrected that way, you've got to know him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me, he said. You can leave this building today with peace in your heart that it's done. And I want to pray for you today. If you are in either one of those categories with our heads bowed, would you let me pray for you? Because, listen, peace with God is a prayer away. It's just a prayer away. Why put it off? 
Why wait? Why risk it? He's knocking on the door of your heart today. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I'll let you pray for me. I want you to put your hand right up where you are, can you? Just slip it up. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. And you. I want to ask you if your hand is raised. Listen carefully to me. The Lord's calling you. He's calling you. I want you to slip out from where you are. Don't worry about people, what they think. We've all been there. I want you to slip out and come and stand right in front of me right here. Come now. Just slip out and come. If you raise your hand, don't wait. Come on. Come on down. And let's sing, Joe, while they come. I'm going to wait for just a moment.